Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. So as we were in worship today, God started to kind of percolate on my heart. that He wanted to kind of shift some things this morning. It's interesting. Uh, First service, uh, Janet Bamani spoke a few things to me. And then first service and second service, Kurt shared that prophetic word that was in his heart. Um, I want to build on that this morning. We're not going to be very long. What time is it now? Give me about 20 minutes and we'll get out of here. Uh, but it's, it's impactful and it's very important. Uh, I want to read a passage real quick. Um, if you have your, your phones, it's, I, I apologize, it's not in any of the notes. Maybe you get the talk I was going to do next week. Maybe not. We'll see where God takes us. This is um, Isaiah 61. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation just because it's interesting. And I just want to, I want to zero on a couple things this morning that I think God wants to speak to us. This is, um, this is an interesting passage because this is the same passage that Jesus spoke about in Luke when he was in the synagogue. And when Jesus spoke this, he spoke the fulfillment of this. This is Isaiah the prophet speaking what Jesus would walk out and what you and I as believers would walk out and carry um, thousands of years later. It says this, The mighty spirit of the Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me, Because Yahweh has anointed me as a messenger to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell captives you're free. And to tell prisoners, be free from your darkness. You know, it's God's heart that you walk in freedom. That's his heart. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That's the heart of God. And verse 2 says this, and this is where I want to kind of, I want us to dig into verse 2 and 3. I am sent to announce a new season of Yahweh's grace and a time of God's recompense on his enemies to comfort all who are in sorrow. As people now, and I really believe this, I know first service I felt this very strong, that there is a a spirit of heaviness and a spirit of sorrow that we carry. And I think it's something that permeates even our nation right now. This is one of the few generations now that doesn't believe that the generation, their kids, are going to have it better than than they had it. They believe that we're we're losing ground, and there's uncertainty in the future. So that heaviness, that that sorrow, you know, it's hard for us to forget this or to imagine as a church. One of the main things that God calls us to do as a church is to remind people of, of hope and of grace. I dropped those glasses. We're done. I'll never be able to see this. As as a church, our message is not the sky is falling. As a church, our message is that through Christ, there's hope. There's forgiveness. There's grace. So, beloved, this is a season of grace. Ecclesiastes says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Some of you are here this morning and you don't realize that with you this morning came God's new mercies. Some of you have had a rough, rough upbringing, a rough life. Some of you grew up in situations and with things that you never should have, but you did. And that breaks my heart. Some of you had to deal with abuse and addiction and pain. 
It's not God's heart that you have to carry that. It's God's heart that you would be free. And God comes and he announces that this is a season of grace. Your life is important. Your life is valuable. Last weekend we were in uh, Pittsburgh and we, uh, we went to Pittsburgh to bury my mother-in-law. She had uh, succumbed to a long battle with um, dementia and Alzheimer's. And uh, my mother-in-law was just an amazing, an amazing woman. Very well read, very intelligent, very much behind the scenes. She didn't want to have any fuss made over her or anything like that. She built a good family, strong kids. She worked in the school system, so she, she had a part of, of many kids being raised. And, and I remember we were in, uh, we're from a little town east side of Pittsburgh, and uh, in this town we've got this old cemetery, not unlike the one that we have here on the property, uh, and on the top of this hill, they called, there's this thing called the Old Stone Church. It's, it's a historical monument. To my knowledge, the whole cemetery is historical now. I think she may be the last one to go in it, maybe. And it was really kind of surreal. We're sitting there, and we're standing there, and all the brothers and sisters in there, and all the grandkids are there, and there's just a hole in the ground, a pile of dirt, and a shovel. And they, they, they put mom in the ground, and the caretaker, it's so old, they don't have machinery. They just say, well, there's the shovel. Why don't you guys fill in the hole? So all of us took turns putting a shovel of dirt in, and all the grandkids did. And as we were doing it, as I was watching the kids do this, I was reminded again of um, the brevity of life. I remember being younger than my kids when I first uh, met my mother-in-law. And I remember thinking that I would probably live forever. And then I was reminded that, you know, all of those that were in front of us are gone. We're the next ones up. Now, that's great if you're in line for, like, the roller coaster. But that's not great if you're in line to go into the ground. And I sat there, and I started to just talk to the Lord. I was like, God, man, I was having this surreal moment. Isn't it interesting sometimes where you have these things that happen in your life, and they anchor you, and they give you windows into your own mortality and into eternity? I was having these eternal moments. I was reminded that life is like a vapor. And even though life is short, God designed it to be very impactful. He created us to have impact. And what the enemy tries to do is this. He tries to, to mar who you really are. He tries to get you to forget that you're an image bearer. You were made in the image of Almighty God. He tries to twist that. And he does whatever he can to try to separate you from the one that created you. If he can do that, if he can get you to forget who you are, and if he can separate you and twist you and to do those things, then you live your life ineffective. You live your life unsettled because you're living for lesser things. And even though you may not be able to articulate it with words, it's something you feel. It's something that's in your gut. That's what the enemy does for us. But in the midst of your brokenness, the creator reminds us that you were created for a purpose. You're created for something. He reminds us, I am sent to announce a new season of Yahweh's grace and a time of God's recompense 
on his enemies to comfort all that are in sorrow. It's in your sorrow that God finds you. And then he says this. This is interesting, and I think this is for us today. Verse 3, he says this. To strengthen those crushed by despair who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful bouquet in place of ashes, the oil of bliss instead of tears, and the mantle of joyous praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. So something happens between us and God that's just absolutely remarkable that I don't fully understand. God loves you so much, you're an image bearer, that you know, sometimes we think, well, we mess up and we're so broken, why would God want to have anything to do with us? He's God and we're not. Because what do we do with people that are usually lesser than us? Well, without compassion, we push them away. We look down on them. But what does God do? God brings us close. He does. He invites us in. He brings us close. And in the, in the economy of the kingdom, and I don't understand this, he says this to us. Bring me your brokenness, and in exchange for the broken things you give me, I will give you life. I will give you freedom. I will give you blessing. When you come to me with your sorrow, I will exchange that sorrow you feel for joy that doesn't even make sense. If you come to me with those things that trouble you, he says this, give me your troubles and I will give you peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense. But that's what he offers us. Beauty for ashes. Joy for tears. This great exchange. It's incredible and it's beautiful. And it only works if you're willing to give him your brokenness. Did you hear me? It only works if you're willing to give him your brokenness. If you hold on to those broken things, you never receive all of the goodness that God has for you because you can't hold on to both. And it's crazy and it's nuts, but let's just be real. What wouldn't you do for your children? Every parent knows this. I thought I had a full understanding of God's incredible love until I held my child, my first child. He took his breath, and I saw this little head. My kids are Harris's, so they have large heads. And they say they get it from me. We'll just keep it there. I told you guys this story before. You know, when you see this kid, you realize in that moment there's nothing that you wouldn't do for this child. Nothing. And we say that we would give our lives for our children. And hopefully you never have to make that decision. But sometimes you have to. I've told you guys the story years ago. Tyler was three years old. We had this piece of junk car, this Bronco 2. It was garbage. We were pastoring on the north side of Pittsburgh. We lived in a row house. It was 30 steps to the house from the, from the street. 30 dumb steps. So I remember we got back from youth. It was late. It was Robin. We had a youth girl with us, Chrissy, who was staying with us. And Tyler was in the back in his car seat. This is in the, in the mid-90s when you had to have an engineering degree to, to figure out how to put a car seat in the back of a car. He was all strapped in, and I remember he was sleeping, so we thought we'd just take the groceries in and out, and when we get them done, then we'll bring him up, and everything will be fine. I'm at the top of the steps, and Robin and Chrissy are at the bottom, and I hear Robin scream. The car is on fire. And I look down, and I see flames underneath this car. This is, you know, before cell phones. If we had them, we couldn't afford them. And I told her, I said, run to a house, call somebody. 
So her and Chrissy ran down the street, and I remember running to the car. By the time I got there, the whole bottom of the car was full of flames. I go into the back, and I try to pull this car seat out, and, and I can't get it out. And I remember, as clear, as clear as a bell, looking over the front of the hood, and at that point, the whole front of the hood was engulfed in flames. It was at the windshield, and I remember thinking this thought. If I can't get Tyler out of this car, this is where me and my son die tonight, because I won't leave him. What wouldn't you do for your child? And in a moment, it was weird. I pulled on that thing, and it popped right out. Still to this day, I don't know how it came out, but it did. And I remember that night just holding him all night, didn't sleep at all. And just thinking to myself, Lord, you don't understand fully, I don't think, the love of the Father. Till you have an understanding of what it means to lay down your life for, for your kids, for your family. And then it makes this exchange make more sense to me. You want the best for your children. God wants the best for you. And sometimes we have it framed wrong in our mind. We think God tolerates us. He doesn't tolerate you. He delights in you. And he works super hard to bring you back to him if you've wandered. He works incredibly hard to bring you back into alignment. Not just with his heart, but when you're in alignment with his heart, then you live out your fullest potential, your fullest purpose. We're at our best when we're in alignment with him, when we follow the creator. But this weird thing happens. For some reason, we like to hold on to our brokenness. Sometimes our brokenness in us becomes so familiar, it defines us, and we can't lay it down. Those broken feelings, the empty places that we run to, to try to fill these holes. We run to those things, and even though God has got infinitely better stuff for us, we can't let those things go because they're too familiar. I remember years later, Tyler was uh, playing guitar. I think he was like 10 or 11. And he had this old beat-up guitar, probably one of my old guitars. If you anything, know anything about guitarists, they never have a guitar. It's like an addiction. You get them in like groups of five or they have children that we don't, I don't know how it happens. And I remember for Christmas one year, we, we, we bought him a, a new guitar. So I had this big elaborate thing planned out that we're doing this thing on Christmas Eve and I was going to trash his old guitar to the point he wouldn't want to play it and then give him a new guitar. So he's playing. I'm like, that sounds terrible. That's the worst thing ever. And I'm doing everything I can to get him to give me this crappy guitar. But he won't do it. Because that was his guitar. And he was familiar with it. That even though it was broken and all these things, he, he wouldn't give me the guitar. And finally, in desperation and just like exhaustion, he said, listen, we bought you a guitar for Christmas. And even after we told him we bought him a guitar, he looked at it to make sure it was okay. And it was way better than his guitar. God stands right now, and he's willing to give you his very best. But it's going to cost you something your worst, your brokenness, all that you are, those valuable things that are really trinkets. He asks us to lay those things down. Some of us are stuck because we can't lay down the trinkets. He wants you to lay down the trinkets. Why? Because he has something so much better for you, not just for your life, 
but for everybody that you'll touch. This is the end of the, of the passage, and this is just ridiculous to me, and I don't fully grasp this. It says this. He wants to strengthen those that are crushed by despair who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful bouquet in places of ashes, the oil of bliss instead of tears, and the mantle of joyous praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And listen to this. Because of this, they'll be known as mighty oaks of righteousness, planted by Yahweh as a living display of his glory. So what is he telling us here? He's telling us this very simple. If you trust me with your brokenness, if you trust me with this great exchange, what will happen is this. I will plant you, and I'll put you in a place to where through the giving up of your weakness, you will point people back to me. A mighty oak. Now, I don't know if you know anything about trees. you got soft wood and hard wood. You don't want to build furniture out of soft wood, like pine and these things, because they nick and they fall apart. There's a reason why they don't make baseball bats out of pine. They shatter. They make baseball bats out of maple. Oak. Oak's a hardwood. An oak tree isn't moved by the storms. An oak tree stands tall. Oak is what we make furniture. It's, it's used for everyday things. Oak, they, it could take a beating. Oak, or it's battle tested. That's what God defines you as, oak trees. And in the Word, this is interesting. Anytime God talks about oak trees, it usually refers to leaders. People that have influence. If you trust God with your brokenness, if you allow him to engage you with this beautiful exchange, not only do you receive all the goodness that he has for you, but he takes your faith and he takes it to another level. And he puts you in a place that others can also look to you and glean from you. And the kingdom advances and it grows. It all starts with you and me laying our brokenness before God, being authentic with God, being real with God. Are you tired of carrying around your brokenness? Are you tired of the burdens of anxiety, sorrow, pain? What did Jesus say? Come to me, those of you that are weak and heavy burdened. And I will give you rest. His words for us. So this is what I think I want to do real quick. I want you to bow your heads one more time. I know God already started to work in us. He started to move our faith from our head to our heart this morning. I think God wants to do one more deep thing. Some of you continue to struggle with sorrow, with pain, with the past. Some of you are here today and you struggle with always feeling like you're not enough. Let me, just, let me just set the table real quick here. Let me just put this on the table. You are not enough. And that's okay. God loves to do things with our, with our brokenness, with our little pieces. But what God wants to do today is this. He wants to connect the dots. And he wants to take those broken things in us breathe life into them and put you on the path to your purpose and your destiny. But he can't do that if you're not willing to take a step. You have to be willing to take a step. So what will you do this morning? 
Will you hold on to the old? Will you hold on to the broken things? Or will you take a step, a chance? Will you trust him and grab his hand and step out of the boat and walk into the destiny that he created you to walk out and live out? You were created for deep water. You were created to change the world. Stop living for lesser things. I'm going to ask the prayer team to join me. And this is how I want to end today. If you need some more time with God, I just want you, when we get done, I'm going to pray. And in that moment, you know, you can either be dismissed or you can come up here and you can spend some time with God. You can come up here and somebody will pray with you. If you're ready to take that step, you're ready to lay down those broken things, those empty things that you run to, you're ready to lay those before God. I want you to find somebody up here and let them pray with you. Maybe you just need about five or ten minutes up here by yourself to allow the Holy Spirit to bring freedom into your life and into your heart. Whatever you need, the Holy Spirit's here today to empower you, to help you live out why you were created. So let me pray. Father, we are grateful today, Lord, that you invite us to come. Even with our weakness, you tell us in Hebrews, Lord God, that Father, we can come to your throne of grace when we need it the most. So Holy Spirit, we just pray in this moment that, Father, you would give us everything we need to be able to lay down all of the broken parts of us. Because, Father, we know in your hands our brokenness is beautiful. And, Father, I pray this this morning, that, Lord, we wouldn't just lay those things down, but, Father, you'd give us the strength and the courage to pick up, Lord God, the mantle of who you say that we are. Father, I pray that we would walk out of this house, Lord God, with a spirit of transformation. Holy Spirit, that you would rise up strong and you'd begin to transform us. You called us new creations in Christ. So, Father, that's what we want to be. New, whole, filled, empowered. We want to be men and women of authority, Lord God. Not so we can push people around, Lord God, so that, Father, we can usher people into freedom. set us free, Lord God, not to run and hide, but to go and to rescue others. So, Father, would you do that? Fill us with courage. Now, right now in this moment, I just want you to lock into the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. He speaks to you just like he speaks to me. And ask him, say, Holy Spirit, what is keeping me from being fully devoted, fully empowered by you? Listen to what he tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.